Good evening. This is Jen Bonet at the Creative Coast, and we are here for our June 2020 edition of Entrepreneurs Night. Um, as you know, this is a, a way for us to tell the story of successful technology entrepreneurs in Savannah, Georgia. And this evening, I have with me Elena Ford from SC Datacom and Safe City Savannah. Welcome, Elena. Thank you. Hi, Jen. Hi internet universe. <laughs> awesome. Um, I always like to start out with this one question. Are you a Savannah native or if not, how did you find your way to this lovely city? So a good question. Um, and if you were to ask a Savannah native, they'd say maybe. And if you were to ask someone from the North, they would tell you how Southern I sound and anyone more South than here tells me how Northern I sound. <laughs> um, so I'm an army brat. Um, my mom was um, uh, in the military for 26 years and uh, we moved as her job required my entire life. Um, but my dad is uh, born and raised in Savannah and in the immediate surrounding areas. So we actually lived here for five years when I was young, while my mom was working on her master's. And that was the longest consecutive time I'd lived anywhere until I moved back here. Um, so I've been here now over a decade combined time, and that is substantially longer than I've ever lived in any other place. So yes, with an asterisk, I guess. <laughs> yes. Um, and so... I would imagine right around that same time as when you launched your company, SC Datacom? I did, yeah. So I graduated in um, 2013 and moved to Savannah. I went to college, um, to Flagler College in St. Augustine, Florida, and I loved it. And it was very much like a beach paradise, perfect place to spend your college years. And I was very cognizant of the fact that it would be really easy to spend several more subsequent years there. Um, so as much as I loved it, I made myself leave. Um, and I moved to Savannah because it was home. I had been there longer than anywhere else and I have some family here. It's like, well, let's just find a new lily pad. Um, so I came to Savannah and then after a couple of months, SC.com happened. Okay. And tell us about launching your company. So, um, it, as I'm sure many entrepreneurs will tell you, you just take advantage of a situation, a moment and you capitalize on it. And 17 year old me would never have said that I would own a technology company. That was not something that I aspired to do or worked towards as a, you know, an infant. Um, but my parents gifted me with dedication and <laughs> they made me get a job if I wanted something. So I was very accustomed to figuring things out. And I saw an opportunity um, and really needed an opportunity because the job market was not fabulous when I graduated especially, believe it or not, for someone with an English degree and an art history minor, that's not an in-demand <laughs> resume. <laughs> um, so you can't find a job, make a job. So um, SCDataCom happened and we were lucky enough to see it grow and it's been seven years now. Great, tell us a little bit, about, a little bit more about what SCDataCom does for those that don't know. So um, we are a commercial security integrator. So what that means is essentially we specialize in electronic technology that keeps people safe. So 
video cameras, access control solutions, intrusion alarms, emergency alert, anything that is powered by the little blue cables that go into your ceiling and turn your computers on. That's qualified as low voltage, and that means that that's what we do. Um, so we service both commercial and federal customers. Uh, commercial customers are here in Savannah and the surrounding areas. And then federal customers, which makes up about 40% of our business, we travel nationwide for that. Um, and yeah. Awesome. Now, I always think, um, I like to share with the entrepreneurs that I work with a lot that I believe that having a co-founder like doubles or triples your odds of success. And you have a awesome co-founder. So why don't you talk about that? So she's actually not my co-founder. She is our CEO. Um, she is the head honcho in charge. Um, but, uh, but she's not the co-founder. She came on, we started in 2013 I'm using the Royal we here <laughs> and, um, she joined in 2014. Um, and she joined after retiring from military service and was, um, retired as anyone that has a loved one or has themselves retired from the military. They don't really retire. <laughs> <laughs> they're not very good at sitting still. So after about a year of living the life of luxury, um, she was bored and I sweet talked her into joining SC Datacom. And at first she thought she would come on kind of as a silent mentor. Um, she has a master's degree um, from the War College in strategy and uh, has held executive level leadership positions um, over hundreds or thousands of people. So she very much knew how to lead. And that was something as a 22 year old, I was still learning as I was doing it. Um, so her input was really helpful. And after doing that for about eight months with her kind of being the figure behind me, teaching me and coaching me, um, we decided let's just bring this into the open, full transparency, let's be partners. Um, so I gave her full 50% ownership um, and she and I have been co-owners and uh, co-masterminds ever since. That's great. I, I honestly do believe by bringing multiple people in at the early stage, you've just doubled or tripled your chance of success. It's really helpful because being an entrepreneur is so challenging and you don't know it unless you've done it. Um, everyone thinks that it sounds really cool and fun and you're your own boss and you can do whatever you want. There's no penalty, no stress. And of course, anyone that's done it knows it. it is those things, but it's not those things. Um, and so having someone that is your battle buddy and not only knows the entrepreneurial journey, but also knows the journey and the struggles of your company and also celebrates all of the little wins with you because they also feel it is really great. Awesome. Now, uh, my next question, I don't know that I put in the original questions that I emailed to you, but I just want to confirm you <laughs> are okay. a certified women-owned business. We are. We're 100% women-owned business. You went through the, but you actually got certified by the. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're certified. Um, we're a certi certified by WBENC. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Savannah, the city of Savannah just re announced this week that they're renewing their their women's and minority business certification programs, which are a little bit, uh, a lot easier than what. They are, yeah. Which, but it's great because it'll open up that path of procurement for minority women-owned businesses in Savannah a lot faster as Savannah shifts to this Savannah First model where every single procurement contract comes to local vendors first. 
Right, which I think is great. Um, like I said, we do some government work. So we do work with City of Savannah and I loved that incentive by Mayor Johnson. I think um, it just really fosters the entrepreneurial spirit of Savannah and gives the small struggle, maybe struggling um, small business community here a leg up first and foremost, which is when you're doing projects that help better Savannah, I think makes just a lot of good sense. Yeah. So talk a little bit about where your business is at right now as far as like, you know, you, you talk that your business is 40% federal all over, but how many employees are you at? So um, we are at, should have done this math before I got <laughs> online, but uh, we're at 18 employees right now. We just hired another um, salesperson uh, coming on full time, uh, which is great. Um, but our number is at, at 18 right now, I believe, with that change. And is the salesperson is the sales role a new hire, a new type of position for you to hire? I would assume that you and your co-founder or your CEO do most of the sales. So we don't actually. Um, I do a lot of networking and business development here locally, um, but I don't do sales. We have now three full-time dedicated sales professionals and um, the sales department falls under my mother um, as the CEO. She leads the sales team and she herself does um, the uh, most of the heavy lifting with the federal procurement. Yeah. One of the reasons I asked that it was top of mind today. We did a, a lunchtime topic on building out your sales force and, and talked about hiring that first salesperson is different than most people think it is. Right. Yeah. Um, cause, cause most people are, think, Oh, I need a VP of sales and no, you actually need somebody that can sell. <laughs> Not somebody that can sell. Right. Yeah. It, sales is a scary position too, because they're really expensive unless they figure out how to sell yeah. um, and selling each person's individual product is really difficult. Um, I used to do art sales and uh, on commission only, and that's tough, um, which was part of the beauty of security, leaving that uh, luxury <laughs> market for the practical market is most people know that they need security. Now you just have to convince them that they need to buy it from you. Um, so that was, that was appealing. Excellent. And let's talk, let's switch gears to customers. Um, so, you know, give me a ballpark range of about how many customers you have today. And I'd like to talk about, you know, getting the first customer is always the hardest thing. So what yeah. was, if you can share who that is awesome, if not, what was that process like? So I can give you the exact number because this was on your pre-check list and I did my homework. <laughs> um, so we have uh, 755 customers right now, according to our CRM. Um, and our first significant customer um, who continues to be a really loyal, great customer is um, St. Joseph's Candler Hospital Network. That was really the first, maybe not the first customer, but the first one uh, that had real weight behind it that we felt, okay, now the ball is rolling. Um, and seven years later, they continue to be um, in our top five of customers. And um, we do a lot of work with them and really value their input and in their business. Excellent. And yeah. how, what was it like landing them? Like, um, it was, how long was the sales cycle? It was probably about six months of the typical Savannah thing where you have, um, you know, somebody knows somebody who knows somebody and you're just kind of slowly getting in front of them and you don't want to be too pushy or move too fast. And then, um, 
they they finally said they needed us to do some small camera work and our um my salesperson was also our installation technician so not only did he sell the product he was out there installing it um with some 1099 um part-time workers that we had at the time and uh flash forward seven years later we have a full operations team um that salesperson his name is josh is still on our team um and he's the um director the national sales director he does a lot of traveling for our federal work um maintains a significant customer base here in savannah and is no longer climbing ladders in steel toes yeah, that's fun. That's great. I love those. I always love hearing about the first major customer because it's such a turning point in everyone's business. And it's a question I can ask anybody. And if they're successful, they know exactly what that is. Immediately who it is. Right. Um, next question is about funding. Did you guys ever take any outside funding? Um, and if yes or no, what was the pluses or minus, minuses to doing the option you took or the path you chose? So we didn't. Um, we part of being a hundred percent woman owned and a hundred percent family owned. The hundred percent of the company is owned by myself and my mother. Um, we never took outside um, capital or you know it leveraged ownership stakes in our business for that. Um, we did get a line of credit. Um, for jobs that required it, but, uh, we've pretty much bootstrapped to, to where we are now, um, and have contributed individual savings, um, towards that have gone without paychecks for that. My mother actually didn't take a paycheck for quite a while as she has a retirement pension. She was working out of, I think it started out of the goodness of her heart and then just turned into just pure pig-headed determination to make it work, <laughs> which luckily has, has led to fruition and she's now collecting a paycheck, very well-deserved paycheck. Um, but yeah, no outside funding. And it's tough because you see the bank account only going down and you know, even though you have customers that have 30-day terms and you know they'll pay, you know they're not going to pay for 100 days. So you know your bank account isn't going to start edging back up for a while and it is stressful but yeah yeah it's it's a catch-22 I mean the minute you take outside funding you kind of have another partner right and and that was never depending on how you look at it you know right and that was never something that I was looking for it was never something that my mother was looking for we operate really well together um just us works really well. And in the future, I feel confident that she will want to actually retire one day. And so I will probably be in the search for a new partner or um, juggling, you know, the business by myself, but we're just not there yet. And I'm not really ready to look that in the eye. Um, so at this point in time, it's just us. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so this is going to go back a little bit to that, what we talked about just then. Um, you know, I always like to ask the point at which you like, there's probably a point that you're like, okay, wow. Um, wow, this might actually work. <laughs> you know, uh, for most entrepreneurs, there's a, there's a path that they're like trying this and trying that and doing these things. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, this might work. Yay. <laughs> this yeah. is path forward. Um, yeah. you know, at what point did that happen for you? Is that right off the bat? Was that when you got St. Joseph Candler or, or, so I think if you've seen that 
thing online where it's the entrepreneurial journey and it's the graph of up and down. So I've had lots of those. This could actually work. Oh, this is never going to work. This is going to work. But I think the thing that cemented it where you have the, oh my God, we are legit. This is happening. We are doing it was two years ago, which is funny to say, because we've been in business for seven years. Um, Two years ago, we got a for, uh, for us, a mega contract with the Department of Veterans Affairs. And it was really a long shot that we even um, dared to compete on that while it was a video surveillance contract. And that's what we are great at. Um, it was a three and a half million dollar job. Um, and we did not have the past performance to show that we could finance a job of that size, that we could scale our team to support a job of that size. It was in New York. (laughs) I mean, it was all of these things that was just, I mean, just a couple of ladder rungs outside of what on paper would have been feasible. And we said, "Mm, no, we can do that. How are we going to do it? We don't know. But if we get the opportunity, we will figure it out. And we did. And we had mimosas at work the next day to celebrate because we knew that was it. That was going to mean that we were going to double our staff. We were going to have a multi-million dollar revenue stream. Um, and we were going to figure it out. And it was going to be importantly going to be our past performance to allow us to do that again and again and again. Right. And so we completed that job and we got rated exceptional by the contracting officer and it really went beautifully. And it's not to say it was easy because it wasn't, but it, it really, we had an excellent team on the ground. Um, the customer was very happy, gave us a glowing review, and it's opened up a lot of doors. And so now all of a sudden, we're somebody with that on our past performance record, which is really cool. That's a great story. Love yeah. that. Um, what has your biggest challenge been? Biggest challenge has probably been staffing. Um, as we were talking about earlier, uh, any company, I believe no matter how much this, this company grows and I hope it will continue to grow is a sum of its parts and its parts are its people. And if you don't have really good people, especially with a small business, you're not going to be able to go anywhere. You're going to spend more time picking up after that person than you are moving your company forward. Um, and we've been really lucky to have some really fundamentally excellent people on our team um, that have stuck it out with us when we weren't somebody because they could see what we could possibly be and what they could help us become. And they did that. And now we're attracting just such a a high caliber qualified level of person um, that has a lot of experience, but also a lot of integrity. And we're able to offer them competitive pay, competitive benefits, training, and um, we're really an appealing employer, which is really cool and new. Um, but even so, you have to screen so many people and make sure that their, um, their mindset fits with yours and fits with what the company needs. And once you have them, you have to figure out how to keep them. Yeah. Culture is king. It really is. Yeah. And creating and one bad apple ruins the culture, too. Right? It totally does. And you have to learn. Um, when to be the bad guy and, and drop that hammer. Um, and I've had to terminate 
many people for a variety of different reasons. And it's never easy, but you always have to keep your eye on the greater good. And, and one bad apple can certainly poison the bunch. Yeah. So I like to ask entrepreneurs how they define success. Cause I find everybody has their own definition of what success is. So what does success look like for first SC Datacom and then for you personally? So success for SC Datacom now looks really different than it did last year or the year before that. One of the great things that we do that I would advise to any business to do is we do an annual strategic planning um, where we take a look at the goals we set for the previous year and where we met or fell short or exceeded them. And we set some goals um, and actionable metrics for the coming year. And it really just helps keep us on track and also gives us some reasons to celebrate and also self-correct where we need to. Um, and every year our goals get a little bit more ambitious. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so success for SE Datacom, I mean, I five years ago would have told you seven employees and a million dollar revenue would mean booyah, we made it and we're past that. And um I want to continue to grow our team. I want to continue to grow our client base and I want to continue to um, grow our offerings to our team. I want to see uh, that every single person on our team has the opportunity to grow within the company and to help make us stronger and better. Um, we've got a lot of, uh, a wide variety of people on our team with a wide variety of talents. Um, and it's really fun as the company grows, you have a little bit more elbow room for people to carve out their own niche. And that's really cool to see. Um, so I want to, I want to keep doing that best in industry across all channels. <laughs> and then for me, um, I don't know, I guess I'm still figuring that out. My, um, my parents always, my, my father was an entrepreneur uh, is an entrepreneur. And my mom um, is now an entrepreneur after a lifetime of military service. Um, but they always preach the balance between work life and your life life and to work to support your life, not work your life away. Um, and so when you work for yourself, that's difficult. And when you're really passionate about what you do, that's difficult. Um, so I guess I would just continue. I would like to continue to do that successfully, especially as I grow and mature and my new husband and I, you know, grow a family. I want to continue to do that while also growing the business. Um, so we'll figure that out as we go. <laughs> yeah. Balance for entrepreneurs is really hard. Yeah. I'm going to throw another question at you that I didn't ask you before, because I want, I want your opinion on this. So um, I've been watching this probably for the last couple of years, but it seems that video and use of video and artificial intelligence around video search is, is just about to take off. seems like it's been there. Um, there's been some rudimentary things like quality assurance systems that you focus a camera on the end of the warehouse line and it makes sure that the things, everything looks the way it's supposed to, right? Or otherwise it sends up a red flag. But it seems like, you know, even with COVID-19, right, and, and Amazon setting up cameras to check the temperature of every employee is in their warehouse. I mean, it just seems like the, that 
SC.com is positioned as certainly a local leader, if not a, a nationwide leader in this type of technology that just seems like it's about to explode? I think so. Um, I hope so. Uh, video technology is really so far above and beyond, uh, has been for a while. What I think most people realize, um, just installing, now there's a wide range of security cameras. Um, you know, you can have what you buy at Sam's Club is always going to be a lower quality and have less capability than what you would buy from me or someone like me. Um, but if we sell you a, let's be expensive, $1,500 camera, just using that camera as a camera and point and shoot to get video data is like only using your iPhone to make phone calls. I mean, does anyone do that? No, you have all of these apps and things that you can learn from it and do with it. And it's a technology tool. And that's what video surveillance and that's what this whole industry is now. And COVID-19 has forced people to think creatively and to embrace these technology tools in new ways. And that's really, we're trying to lean into that because there's a lot of actionable business insights that can be given to businesses using their, their um, video system. Yeah, and especially with artificial intelligence growing the way it is as well. Definitely. So huge, huge opportunities ahead in your, in your core business. But uh, this past winter, you launched a, I'll call it project initiative, Safe City yes. Savannah, a passion, a passion project on top of your business. Yes. Tell us about Safe City Savannah. So it, it's exactly that. It's a passion project. Um, and it's a, new line of business within SCDATACOM. So Safe City Savannah is a designed to be a public-private partnership. Um, we would like to make a citywide surveillance system that is powered by and accessible to um, the small business community here. It's modeled after other public-private partnerships that have been done in different cities, uh, most notably Project Greenlight in Detroit. Um, which was a citywide surveillance system set up by the local police there. And what they did was they sold security systems to individual businesses, and then they accessed them to aid crime-fighting efforts. Um, the price point that those systems are at is really not tenable to our Savannah market. So we've kind of flipped the core idea on its head, and we're saying, well, citizens, small businesses, law enforcement, municipality, we all want the same thing, which is a more vibrant, more successful, and safer Savannah. And video surveillance is not going to be the only solution, but it's a great tool in the toolkit. Um, so rather than depleting the resources of the city, why not make a cost-effective solution available to the small businesses and to the citizens so that people can really take action at an accessible price point to help aid those efforts that in return help their business. Um, so we have put up a pilot program, which right now we have eight cameras and we're providing coverage to over 25 businesses with those eight cameras. Um, and moving forward in the future, we'd like to expand that greatly throughout the downtown area. And you launched it right as COVID-19 was starting. We did. That was a really an early launch. It was more than I was um, expecting. But I know that if I had a, a store downtown that was, 
I wasn't able to be there every day. If I wasn't able to be at my business every day and I wasn't able to have eyes on my business every day or my inventory or even just my storefront, I would feel very nervous and very anxious. So we decided why not get proof of concept for our idea while also doing some good and let's put up some cameras. Um, And so we did and we got a level of local news attention for it, which is great. Um, So we're now that things are starting to get a little bit safer and people are starting to get back to work. Um, we're working on our next phase of our rollout and what that's going to look like and eventually what going to market will look like. Awesome. Excellent. Um, before I ask the last question, I wanted to throw it out to our uh, audience that is watching online live right now. See if they had any questions. I see Mark, my my pal Mark's on the line and he's usually got some good questions. Hey Mark. Yes, Elena, thank you for uh, sharing uh, information about your company and its uh, progress uh, and congratulations. Thank you. A few questions. Uh, You mentioned in addition to the three and a half million dollar job in New York and staffing, what were some of the biggest hurdles in expanding your business? Um, so we really were trying to keep our overhead costs down as we grew, um, both in staff size and, you know, um, in trucks and everything that you need to accommodate a growing staff. Um, and so eventually our, uh, little office got too small for us. So we had to find a new one. So we were operating in a 1200 square foot. Um, and that includes a shed <laughs> office. Um, when we hired some new leadership positions and new technicians, I actually gave up my office and spent quite a bit of time in our very uncomfortable conference room chairs in our conference room. Um, and so when that finally got to be untenable, we moved to a larger space, which meant adding more bills. Um, and that's scary uh, because the job is finite, but the new bills have to last as long as the lease lasts. Um, Mm -hmm. But now we have a 4,500 square foot facility and it's so much better. There's room for people to have their own space. There's room for us to have inventory and to do better training and set up product demos. Um, And so it was a, it was a challenge mentally to, to accept adding additional overhead, but it was definitely good for us. Excellent. Um, I've got several more questions here, uh, Jen, if that's okay. Of course, Mark. Thanks. Okay. The business name SC Datacom implies a local SC business. Uh, To expand nationwide, did you consider rebranding your company? So that's a good question. I actually have a harder time with that business name here locally. Um, It stands for Southern Coast. And I realize most people think it stands for South Carolina. And that is Mm -hmm. confusing. However... Mm -hmm. We're seven years in. <laughs> so we, we have been talking about a rebrand to um, better reach our commercial customers here locally and reestablish that we are actually a Savannah-based company. Um, but federally, as far as marketing nationwide, we perform work nationwide, but it's always for federal customers. So it's always on federally owned land, which is why our Georgia licenses apply. Um, we're not aiming to set up shop in any other states permanently at this point in time. It was purely for those federal awards that necessitated travel. And we always come home when we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very competitive space, as I'm sure you are aware. How do you differentiate your products and services from the competition? It's a 
a good question. Um, and I am still learning how to articulate that because I think my, my, definitely my base instinct is because we're better and because we're locally owned and because we're family owned, but those are pretty banal adjectives when you're looking at the entrepreneurial space, because there's a lot of really great family owned, locally owned companies. So instead what we're trying to focus on is educating our market about the products that we offer and how they can serve them. Um, the same as what John and I were talking before about video analytics and how your video system can really do so much more for your business. Instead of talking to people about us, we prefer to, um, build those relationships and create long-term customers that are loyal to us. But more importantly, to make that first sale, you have to get them interested in the technology and create a compelling case for why they should part with their hard-earned cash for that technology. Mm -hmm. uh, your business is involved in scoping the uh, uh, systems that are then implemented. Are you involved in any monitoring? Yeah, so we do alarm monitoring. We also provide um, service contracts for our access control and video surveillance installations, which are an optional add-on, but do guarantee premier maintenance and uh, service times. And do you price this as a subscription? We do, yes. Okay. So for the example you gave of multiple businesses sharing the same system, let's say in Savannah, uh, is it possible then for them to... Um, uh, how do you price that for multiple businesses? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, for the Safe City Initiative, that is going to be a subscription-based pricing model. Um, mm -hmm. The reason we're doing it that way is so it's at a reasonable monthly cost. Yes. Um, and you're exactly right. We're covering multiple businesses with a single device. So mm -hmm. the more businesses we can get to join us in the Safe City program and commit to making their neighborhoods safer and also in return get access to that camera, the lower everyone's cost goes. So we're calling that coalition pricing. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, the more people that join on, the lower the cost gets. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, um, uh, what is your sales compensation structure? What do you mean? Uh, how do you compensate uh, your sales force? You mentioned 40% uh, is in federal, 60% uh, commercial. Um, how do you compensate your salespeople? So we'll give a little background here. Mark is starting to think about how to build his sales force for his compensation. Oh, I see. To think about the structure and the percent yeah. mission versus percent base pay and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I wish I had a cut and dry answer for you, but um, as you heard me tell Jen earlier, we have three full-time salespeople and everyone right now is at a marginally different sales structure. Everyone is at a salary and commission model, um, but depending on what their area of expertise and their customer base is, we incentivize them differently. Um, so for instance, our federal accounts manager, um, is working with a much higher dollar, generally speaking, than our commercial account salespeople. Um, it requires much more travel, and we only get less than a dozen awards a year. So yeah. if he was dependent on a heavy commission model that could either be too generous or not generous enough to incentivize his efforts. So we're small and we're allowed to be mobile, so we really massage how it's working on an annual basis at our strategic review to try and make sure that we're compensating everyone appropriately. Um, but we don't have 
a glass ceiling right now. There is no limit on commissions because our thought has been with every salesperson from day one, why not incentivize you to reach for the moon? The more you earn, the more the company earns, and we're not going to limit that. Yes. So does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Um, so my last question that I always like to ask as my wrap up is, um, you know, we have our audience at the Creative Coast is aspiring entrepreneurs and early stage entrepreneurs. So what tips, tricks do you have for them? What inspiration can you give them on their own entrepreneurial journey? So um, I am flattered that I would inspire anyone on their entrepreneurial journey. Um, I have a lot of inspiring people in my life, um, entrepreneurs in my life that have come in through um, different learning avenues that I've taken to try and expand my knowledge as a leader and as an entrepreneur. Um, and so I would definitely encourage people to find their tribe and make sure that you're not the most successful person in the room because you always want to be learning and you always want to be inspired by people that are smarter and farther along than you are. Um, and also, uh, I just live by the belief that yes, I can. Um, and I may not know how to do it right now, but I can definitely figure it out. Um, and everyone on our team shares that ethos. Uh, we call it the honey badger mentality. We get things done. <laughs> so um, we've all kind of adopted that. And that's our little mascot. And whenever anyone solves a challenging problem, um, then they come back and they say they honey badgered something, which is really great. But in order to truly live that, you can't conquer every problem by immediately asking someone with more experience for advice. You have to do, as my mother tells me when I visit her in her kitchen, look two places before asking an adult. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to try and figure it out and give it at least two college tries. And if all else fails, Google is a wonderful place. I often am coaching entrepreneurs and they're like, I've talked to three other people and I've gotten three answers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, if you ask four entrepreneurs, how to solve a single problem, you're going to get four different answers. <laughs> at, at a certain point in time, you just have to be committed to doing it and being adaptable enough to change your process and how you're, you're doing that as you learn more things, but you don't ever learn anything without putting one foot in front of the other and giving it the old college try. So just jump. 